0: Well, welcome back to our next edition of Hello World with Mike Kara, as always, proudly broadcasting from Ocoee, Florida, USA, planet Earth. And my next guest is Colm Keegan a multi-award winning Irish singer Colm Keegan is best known as one of the principal singers with PBS sensation show Celtic Thunder and uh, he is a born a doubler born and bred and Colm may still only be in his 20s but has already achieved an extensive career to date and Colm it's a pleasure and honor you could join me today and tell us you know all about your music and all of those things we mentioned. First of all, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background and where your love and passion for music comes from?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And and to start off with, Mike, thanks very much for having me on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be a guest. Um, I suppose my my upbringing of music is very similar to a lot of people in Ireland's, um, which is that the second you're learning how to speak, you're thrown into some sort of uh, musical environment to sing or to, to learn an instrument. Um, you know, music is is synonymous with Irish culture and every family really is, is um, you know, involved in music some way. But for us, I'm number four um, of the, the family's second youngest, four of five boys in the house. Um, so when I was... A, a kind of quite young my older brothers sang in a cathedral choir in dublin city center the the palestrina choir they were called and um i just followed really the the family footsteps of the second i learned how to sing i went into the probation group with the cathedral choir that sang with them for you know the the until my voice broke um so growing up music was just part and parcel of what we did as a family if I'm totally honest, it probably wasn't really until my teenage years really that I started to love it. You know, the the, the sort of the seeds were already uh, sown at that point. And it was when I was coming back to music after the voice broke and I started taking out the guitar and, uh, you know, we'd be brought up playing the piano as well. Um, and when I started trying to pick out songs on the radio and started trying to pick out songs that that, um, that I enjoyed really was when I started enjoying music and I started going in and performing from the classmates and getting involved in in a few different productions Um, and yeah I suppose that's when, when music was not just something that I did but something that I love to do.
0: Oh, okay. So as we mentioned, uh, Com, about, you know, being in this uh, Celtic Thunder. And first of all, you know, my mom and myself love watching that on uh, PBS. And I mean, are you in some of those specials we watch? Are you like on the active roster or reserve roster with with them?
1: I certainly am. Yeah. Well, I mean, in recent years i've taken more of a backseat role um due to the fact that my wife laura who was also in the show she was the cellist in the show for a number of years and uh the two of us have uh, have two young children now uh, so we've got a four-year-old and a, and a two-year-old so since we became parents um it uh the the long tours kind of came to a bit of a standstill really but yeah we've been really lucky to to be involved in in Celtic Thunder, an, an amazing show and, and some of our closest friends are still uh, those who are part of Celtic Thunder so in, regarding the specials um, I think my first one that I got involved with was the Mythology show, so that was the first DVD I recorded, when I joined the show we were still touring the previous DVD um, Voyage, and then I recorded the Mythology special with Celtic Thunder, I think think it was 2012 uh, some of the listeners probably have a better memory than i do uh, and then a few years later there was a legacy dvd that was shot as well that um was the last dvd that i was a part of um but yeah in between them we had the christmas symphony album as well which i know still does well each christmas and um an amazing few years, really amazing few years. I joined Celtic Woman beforehand. So I suppose what some of the listeners might or might not be aware of is that I finished university and I was on a singing scholarship in University College, Dublin, and uh, I was there for three years, was about to finish my undergraduate degree, but not really too much of an idea of what I was doing afterwards. I'd already signed up to do a master's in early music, which I know isn't really rock and roll, but uh, that was the plan. I was going to be doing a master's starting that coming August. And I went into my final exam and Celtic Woman, with whom I'd, I'd been asked to, to make a DVD as part of their choir at that point, uh, phoned and said one of their tour members was dropping out, but I would be interested in joining them for a year? So it seemed like an amazing opportunity to do a bit of traveling, to join one of Ireland's biggest production shows. Um, so I took out a gap year, really. I was going to travel the world with Celtic Woman and then come back and do the Masters. And then at the end of that gap year... Um the brother show of Celtic Woman, Celtic Thunder, came knocking on the door and asked if I was interested in joining as a principal singer. So what be- started off as a gap year um, and an amazing opportunity with Celtic Woman became an entire career shift with with uh, the way everything worked out. So uh, very lucky. I mean, I've, I've never really, just the way everything's worked out, spent too much time kind of twiddling my thumbs wondering what the next plan was because things seemed to... to happen naturally very quickly for me so i'm incredibly lucky that way
0: oh okay and you mentioned Comb, that you actually were performing with celtic thunder you know with with your wife i mean how was that experience with the two of you kind of touring together then
1: i was great i mean you know talk about living the dream when not only do you get to travel the world and do something you love to do but you get to do that with with your your wife you know right beside you um because i know it's a very diff difficult world to try and have any sort of stability in you know it's it's always extremely difficult for for people whenever they've got their husband or wives back home and you're going away on on tour for five or six months it's a long time of the year and, and sometimes social media can be a little bit of a hindrance that way as well where, you know, when the person back home is is dropping the kids to school, picking them up and, and you know, kind of in the real world, so to speak, and then they go on Facebook and see pictures of nights out or everyone on the beach and everything always looks amazing on social media. So, you know, so it's very difficult, but I was extremely lucky, as I said, to not be in that that difficult position of being away from. Your loved one, but actually being able to to travel alongside them. So, uh yeah, so an amazing opportunity.
0: And one thing we see uh, comb in uh, these these specials, these Celtic Thunder specials. There's not only a lot of dan- uh, singing, but a lot of dancing, choreography. I mean, is that something you had to get used to is doing some of those those other things, or were you already kind of a da- dancer, sort of?
1: <laughs> no, I certainly wasn't. No, I mean, maybe after a few pints of Guinness, I thought I was a, I was a good dancer. But um, I'd never, as had the, the rest of the guys, never had any dancing uh, experience whatsoever. So sometimes when people see me singing the solo number that I, I probably get asked and requested most frequently, which is the song Katie uh, that I recorded in the Mythology show, um... You know, there, there's a reason that I'm sitting at the piano for that one, and it's probably not just to do with the piano skills, but I think it was any opportunity to take me off, uh, off the um, the stage and, and choreography scene. I think they they jumped at. So, uh, you know, so th- I I would like to think, looking back at my time, Mike, uh, without being overly competitive about it, but I think I would like to think I wasn't the worst dancer on stage, but I I certainly wasn't the best. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: Right, right. So, I mean, for you in Celtic Thunder, was there, uh, you know, a lot of rehearsals? Were there a lot of practices? Or, I mean, did you just do the one show? Or did sometimes you do like a, almost like a dress rehearsal show? Or
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, there was, I mean, a show, a big production show was really, it's quite unusual. You know, it certainly for me, it was very unusual because I was used to singing, as I said, in a cathedral setting where you would have a huge volume of music that you'd have to get through every single week you know you'd be singing at a mass which had in itself six or seven parts to it and then you'd motets and all these things that you were every week you were churning out a huge amount of music uh which is great in terms of you know learning how to sight read and and you know learning various music uh pieces but you know when you go to a production and you're on tour for five or six months there's a huge amount of work that goes into the opening night you know you've got the rehearsals you're like well, I suppose that the process starts and trying to decide the setlist for that show and you have meetings with the musical director, with the producer of the show, you start narrowing down hundreds of songs into just a handful of of songs that they feel is appropriate for your character, your voice. um and then you you record that. So you go into the studio, record an album, um you know, then you work extremely hard trying to put together the opening night. So it's all kind of new up until opening night. And then, if that goes well, which thankfully it always seemed to um it's just a case of just repeating that then for five or six months, so that in itself is quite unusual. I think it's a very different experience when you're when you're kind of on loop the whole night, and you have to try and find your energy sources really from from other means because when you become so used to the show and you become so um it gets to the point where you could almost do it in your sleep because you've done it so many times you then have to really try and find a way to to, to keep the performances fresh for the audience that in front of you I haven't seen it before so uh, we were really really lucky and fortunate to, to have a musical director such as David Monroe with us on tour uh, and our assistant musical director seamus brett as well who both of whom really understood i think that that difficulty in trying to perform the same thing over and over so they would always give you targets to try and work towards in a song and um, and so in your head you're always aiming towards something different in each performance which might seem mundane not that important um, but it really does keep things fresh for a performer and, and, and subsequently then keeps the performance fresh for an audience that as I said might never have heard this or seen it before
0: Okay. And as I mentioned earlier, Com, about this Celtic Thunder, that it is on PBS during their pledge drive. And as you know how pledge drives work, they put the very best stuff, you know, the very, very high quality programs that they feel that will attract people. So that must be a, a good feeling that uh, Celtic Thunder, you know, is is so revered that it, it's it's put during these times to show the very best that PBS has to offer, huh?
1: Oh, of course, I mean it's a really nice relationship that Celtic Thunder and PBS have. And uh, putting it simply, without PBS, Celtic Thunder would not enjoy the success that it's been so lucky to have over the last few years. So uh, PBS is is an amazing organization. There's nothing really like it back home in Ireland. Whenever I'm trying to to explain the idea of PBS to people in Ireland or here in Scotland, you know, there's no real station that is so dedicated to. Uh, you know, it being a public broadcasting channel and, and you know, advertising things, promoting things, um, you know, kind of combining education and entertainment as well a lot of the time. So it's an amazing organisation, PBS. And as you pointed out, I mean, we, Castle we have just been so lucky to have that relationship that works really, really well. So even when we're not on tour, you know, we'll still throughout the year be involved in promotional tours, uh, which will be coast to coast. You know, a lot of the time we start off with Seattle make our way slowly across the country and finish up in New York and or vice versa. Um of just going around PBS stations, radio stations as well, and, and just promoting whatever the new D V D or C D and album is and uh, and tour is and um, you know, those promotional tours are you could certainly write a book of some of the things that happened throughout the a lot of the way. Um but it's uh, you know, amazing memories. Really is. It's a very special place, Cal Thunder.
0: Okay, uh, Combs. Cool. so I want to talk now about these nice songs that our audience has, uh, you know, been listening to that you sent here. You can tell us a little bit about them. So the first song is Raral Times, is that it? Can you tell us about that one?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, when choosing songs that mean a lot to you, this one would certainly be that. It's Raral Times is... is um talking about my hometown of Dublin and it's always been one of these songs that I've I've loved from a young age um, and subsequently I've had the pleasure of them performing it a few times and this version of it, uh, it's just myself and Seamus Brett, as I mentioned earlier, assistant musical director in Celtic Thunder, who's on the piano and um, it just talks about a man who... Loved his town of Dublin, uh, very neighborhood friendly, everyone knew each other. Um, and you know, then Dublin over time became this big European capital city, and a lot of the older generation had to unfortunately emigrate to try and continue the work that they were doing. And this is now an older man looking back at his time in Dublin and wishing that he could just play Ring-a-Ring-a-Rosie with the friends in the streets. And it's a beautiful song, beautiful sentiment. It's one of these ones that if you're at a sing-song in somebody's house in Ireland, somebody in the family will sing this as their party piece. And, uh, uh, you know, so when you're halfway across the world performing songs, this is one that definitely sort of brings back a lot of memories, keeps a lot of people and the family alive when I when I sing it. So it's always one that's quite poignant for me and uh, and special. So it seemed like an appropriate choice to choose.
0: Okay, and another song we have here is Beautiful Day. Can you tell us about this one?
1: Sure, yeah, that's the very first single that I released from my album, I'll Never Be Alone, which thankfully, because of the, the amazing support of the Castle Thunder fan base, um, they got the album, I'll Never Be Alone, to number one of on the world iTunes and, um, and Billboard charts and Amazon charts as well. So uh, when you're a musician and, and you're kind of getting used to, to doing a lot of covers, you um, it's quite a, a daunting prospect to start writing your own music and putting it out there into the, the atmosphere and seeing if people enjoy it. And, uh, you know, so for an album to have that much success was really, really overwhelming for me. Um, and the first single from that album that we had was beautiful day. And I was, you know, as mentioned that I was on tour with my wife, Laura, with Celtic Thunder, but we, perf- we kind of formed a duo when we were off tour with Celtic Thunder and we started performing across the States as a duo as well. And, um, This was, again, before our first tour, I believe, we we wrote this song, uh, you know, so it was performed the first song of our very first solo show together, uh, which is why we released that as our first single as well afterwards. So Beautiful Day is, again, a very special uh, and um, important song for the two of us.
0: Okay, and another song we have here, and I think you mentioned it before, Katie, can you tell us about this one?
1: Well, again, as I mentioned earlier, it was it's a song that probably was the mo- is the most requested song that I would have. Um, and it's a beautiful song that was written by a well-known Irish singer-songwriter called Jimmy McCarthy. And he was, sorry, still is, I, mean, I should be talking about him in the past tense. He's an amazing songwriter and uh, the voice of Jimmy McCarthy for a lot of the, the 80s and 90s was um the incomparable mary black uh who made a lot of his songs uh, massive hits in the charts back in ireland so this was next the, the katie was was one of those songs it was just one of those songs that everyone was um you know kind of brought up listening to and it reminds me of driving around in my mom's car um midweek whether it was to tennis or football or or uh, Gaelic and Hurling and, you know, whatever that was we were going to. It was always this Mary Black uh, tape that we were listening to and Katie was on that. And then when I joined Celtic Thunder, I was looking for different songs to, to sing as a solo number and uh, Dave Monroe, the musical director, said, you know, what about this, this song, Katie? And I hadn't heard it in years at that point, but I was delighted he suggested it. So, um, yeah, it's nice to have these sort of personal relationships with the songs from early years then that you get to in later years try and be the one to bring it to an audience that hasn't heard us and you know what an honor to be able to do that. Okay.
0: So yeah, those are some great songs. And now I want to ask you a question, Comb, that I had, you know, asked another fellow Irishman about music. And basically, you know, if you want to be a Irish, you know, band or an Irish singer in the United States of America, there's basically three songs you need to, to know, and that is Danny Boyd, Wild Rover, and Whiskey in the Jar. You mm. know, so I mean, my question is, are those popular songs in Ireland?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would know anyone that wouldn't know the words, all of the words to all of those songs, you know, that's um, they're sort of they're synonymous with uh, with Irish culture, and, and uh, yeah, whenever you're you're stuck for a number on a night out if you're doing a, a set or if you're singing out a sing song, well, then you can't go too far wrong with any of those three, really. So, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, a lot of the time you, when you're putting together a set is you try and stay away from the more obvious choices. But uh, I mean, they're obvious choices for reasons because they're, they're great songs and everyone knows them. Okay.
0: And another question, you know, like, and, and this applies both to Scotland and Ireland that, that yep. you know, you've been in both. We see in movies and TV shows that, you know, everyone at the pub just breaks out in song. I mean, is that something that uh, that really does happen?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think, I know a few of the Scottish listeners, if, if they're tuning in, uh, might not like what I'm about to say, but a lot of the time... A lot of my family and friends over here in Scotland would look at the Irish culture and sort of long for this the tradition of a sing song, which seems to have died out a little bit in Glasgow, or sorry, in Scotland. And and you know, certainly here in Glasgow, that's not to say you won't find it. You certainly will, and and depending on the family, you know, I've been at a number of different sing songs here in Scotland, but. It is literally every family in Ireland. That's, the I think, the difference. Any family get-together um, will end up... It's just kind of a natural stage of the night where you'll meet up, you'll have a, a meal or a few drinks, and, and then somebody will take out a guitar, somebody will sit at the piano and, and the conversation just merges into a sing-song, and even if you don't have a note in your head, you still have a party piece that, that you'll sing at the sing-song, so uh, it's, yeah I've, it's one of my favourite parts of the Irish culture, without a doubt and it makes it extra special then when you get to be, for your job get to travel the world, which is an amazing thing to begin with, Um, but to perform songs that so many people back home will know and 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 you're kind of keeping that flame lit um as part of your career is you know what a what an opportunity and what a what a fortunate opportunity to be in and um you know i think i speak on behalf certainly of, of celtic woman and celtic thunder the two shows i was a part of that everybody i know that i've worked with is really passionate about irish culture and irish music in particular so to be able to Call it a career to travel the world and, and perform Irish songs is is uh, really special.
0: And for you, come traveling the world and maybe in the US, do people ever shout out requests? Because, you know, here, especially in pubs or bars or wherever, people like to just shout out randomly songs. I mean, do you do you get that around the world? With, hey, why don't you play uh, Wild Rover?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, requests is something that is, um, uh, it keeps musicians on their toes, you know? So, uh, requests are never a bad thing. But also, it, it probably wouldn't be, I mean, we would typically not be performing in a pub setting too frequently now. It's more kind of theatres, larger theatres with Celtic Thunder, smaller theatres as a solo act. So, theatres tend to be a bit of a different atmosphere and, 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 you know, less sort of, um, Uh, less rowdy and you know throwing out different requests but that's not to say that they don't happen and and actually as part of our set we normally keep a section of the set to uh, to ask the audience for requests as well of any songs that they might like and again I think what I've didn't realize up until I was traveling around America certainly the people that come to shows that are are Celtic is that you forget that it's such an important part of American culture as well Um, you know certainly to the to those who are part of the Irish American community, specifically, I mean, even if you're not part of that, you can still obviously have a good time at these shows. But but for those who are part of the Irish American community, that these songs aren't just songs, they're, they're a narrative of, you know, people that had to unfortunately leave a country to go to a different one and carried, it felt so strong about their own identity that they carried it through their, their kids, their grandkids, and they would sing these songs. And, you know, so when you're singing the likes of Danny Boy, to be as as, you know, kind of stereotypical as he can, but uh, you know, you're not just singing a song that people associate with being Irish. You're singing somebody's somebody's granny's party piece or granddad's party piece or uncle's party piece and and, and uh, there's never gonna be an audience Anywhere around America, or certainly back in Ireland, that won't think of somebody when they hear these songs. So, um, so yeah, you're not just singing a song that people know the words to. You're really kind of tapping into a, an emotional part of, of their identity. And, and um, you know, that's something that, again, with that comes a huge sense of honor and privilege to be able to do that as a performer.
0: Okay, comb. Cool. So now I want to talk a little bit about you know your social media and website. But first of all, I saw that I think it was on Facebook that you are doing like a like a show, or you're you're you're, you're doing like some sort of concert or online. Is
1: this Mike? Yeah, on, online. Yeah. Or so i mean th- like the rest of the music world really the last 12 months has been a little bit of a shock you know so uh as difficult as as it has been with live performances that that have come to a, a bit of a standstill you kind of have to at moments like this clutch of the positives um and the positives at the minute is that we have the technology available that had this pandemic happened 10-15 years ago we certainly would have been in in a much more difficult position. But uh, there's a few online platforms that have just been an absolute godsend to to musicians um, in the last 12 months. And one of them is a website called Stageit. So stageit.com. So massive shout out and thank you to all the staff, the amazing staff at Stageit that have been helping artists over the last 12 months promote shows uh, online and trying to bring in a virtual audience. And I never thought... That you could replace the buzz that you get from a live audience by singing at a computer, but you actually can. You really can. I mean, seeing all the the comments coming through uh, from the audiences around the world and people saying where they're joining from, um, it's been brilliant. You know, so stages have been terrific, and Laura and I have have sort of every eight to ten weeks, you know, set up another stage at show and 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 have performed there over the last twelve months in particular. Um. So yeah, we've been doing that. I had hoped to travel to the states this summer. I had been asked by a few contacts and friends of ours in some of the amazing Irish festivals that happened and Celtic festivals across the country this time of year. Had asked us some um, uh, to join their their roster and um, you know, perform as part of their lineup. Unfortunately, because the embassies are shut, even you know we can't even apply for a work visa um or renewal. You know, So all of the logistics that I go on behind the scenes that people might not be familiar with. Uh, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just hopping on a flight tomorrow and, and heading out. Unfortunately, as much as we would love to. So as much as I would I'd give an arm and a leg to be able to perform um, this summer, we might have to stick with a virtual audience just a little bit longer. But having said that, we're also going to be teaming up with a few of those festivals and offering a virtual uh, performance as well. We've got a venue booked back in Dublin for... Sometime in July, where uh, Laura and I are going to be joined by uh, a top class band as well in Ireland, and we're going to be recording a set for the the festivals that we also might team up at stages uh, to showcase some of that uh, as well at some stage. So, yeah, we're trying our best to stay as active as we can, um, and to try and stay as in the public light. and And uh, frame of mind It's very easy when you're out of sight to go out of mind as well. So, uh, so we're trying to just Keep plowing away while we're doing, throwing stuff out there for anyone who's interested. And also, apart from trying to make a living and continuing to make a living from music, the last 12 months for everyone has been tricky. Uh, and it's it's I'm so unfortunate that the entertainment business has suffered a lot because this is when the entertainment business needs to be as, as in the forefront of what's going on because everyone is down in the dumps. Everyone's at home looking for things to do, looking for things to watch. I mean, I don't know anyone over here that hasn't gone through probably every series on Netflix at this stage in the last year. Um, You know, so this is when people are looking for entertainment. And, you know, Laura and I made a decision at the start of this pandemic as well to not just trying to focus on our music career, but also to try and step up to the mark and and entertain people when they need it the most. And that's why even when the pandemic hit last March of uh, 2019, that uh, or 2020 now um that um you know that we offered a virtual tour as well we had a tour scheduled across different irish centers in the states and we instead of just cancelling the tour um we teamed up with them and uh, each of the centers has their own facebook pages and we started doing and um, broadcasting a virtual tour from our home across the the Facebook pages of each of those centers as well. So yeah, you know we've we've, we've really tried our best to just throw things out there to offer people as much entertainment as as possible. Um, since the pandemic began.
0: Okay, I wanted to ask you, Cohen about you know you mentioned that you do travel to the U- United States, you know, for shows. And there's a pub and uh, they will bring in a lot of guests, you know, famous Irish people. And that is in, I think it's Disney Springs. Uh, what's oh, the name of
1: that? It's the Raglan Road, is it? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Have you, have you Raglan been Road. Sure.
1: I have been there, um, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, an amazing owner uh, who, who's great at bringing Irish people over. So... Uh, Raglan Road yeah it's been a, a great great venue for uh, for some Irish artists in the past um, but um, yeah I mean there's just so many there's such a hub of, of, of things that are happening in North America not just the States uh, you know of in the Celtic communities and a huge amount of work that's been done to try and keep Celtic culture alive um, and I suppose that's what I try to tap into the most is not just Celtic music but Celtic culture and, and before uh, touring I had my qualifications as a teacher as well so I was a teacher of Irish language and music so I offer throughout the year as well I offer lessons in the Irish language and music theory as well um, you know I try and hook up with some of the Irish centers and and offer free Irish language workshops as well with with what's going on there so uh and then recently as well I've I've t- joined up with um Catholic music radio here in Glasgow to produce a weekly um show on Catholic music radio trying to promote and highlight some of the the incredible musicians uh here in Scotland back in Ireland as well and and you know what's going on around the states so uh yeah so I mean Staying active and trying to keep a pulse on what's happening in in the Celtic world is, it's it's ever evolving. So you know there's a huge amount going on, and it's great. I absolutely love it. I'm very proud to be part of that mix, and uh, I love what I get to do, which is to try and talk to other people who are part of that bubble and uh, try to highlight to the listeners what's going on.
0: And you know one thing. Uh, you know, I, I I talked to somebody in um, you know Scotland, Scotland. You know, native uh, Scots person, and they mentioned you know there's Gaelic, but there's also a Scottish language apparently that's not Gaelic. I mean, is that something you've yeah. come across?
1: Oh yeah, sure. I mean, the Scots Gaelic is what it's called. Um, so Gaelic, if you're in Ireland, Gaelic would always be known as, as the sport. So there's Gaelic football. Uh, so if you mention Gaelic in Ireland, people would assume you're talking about the sport rather than the language. So the way we would talk about the language in Ireland is either uh, we would refer to it as Irish or the Irish word for Gaelic is Guelga. So you'll hear the Irish language being referred to as either Irish or Guelga. And um, a kind of a sister language of that is in in Scotland, which is Scots Gaelic. Uh, in fact, just down the road from where we live here in Glasgow is an all Scots Gaelic school, which is, you know, that's the language that they speak as their first language. So, uh, yeah, very much alive. Unfortunately, there's less and less people as time goes on that speak the language and it's, it's part of of this endangered language uh, species, as, as is Irish. But, you know, Irish is still uh, a lot it, it's still a huge part of the Irish culture, really, and um, the fact that it's compulsory, that everyone has to learn it in school. Uh, you know, there might be less people speaking it on a day-to-day basis, but there's more people learning the Irish language now than there has been in the last century. So it is kind of a, uh, you know, being kept alive. But Scots Gaelic is not a compulsory language that people have to learn in school. It's only schools such as the one down the road where people speak it as their first language. So you're either fluent in it essentially or you know none of it and there's nothing in between. Well at least in Ireland there might not be as many people fluent in the language as there was in the past but there's still, um, you know, generation of people in school who are learning it. Um, So it's important, it's such a a rich part of our culture that it would be such a shame to see that that go, but uh, certainly I would know a lot more about the Irish language scene in Ireland. That there's a huge amount being done, and a huge, uh, a lot of different government bodies that are in place to try and prevent that from happening. So a huge amount is going on, um, and certainly around St Patrick's Day each year. Uh, it started off as being the week of St. Patrick's Day, it became known as Sachtan Ngoelga, which is the week of the Irish language is what that translates as. And there was a huge push to try and get loads of different cultural activities and, and movies out, short movies out, um, you know, pop-up places where you can go and speak the language across the country. And that became a two-week event. So now Sachtan Ngoelga, which is only... the the week of, of of Irish language is now two weeks, so it's a very very long week essentially, um, and it's so specifically around St Patrick's Day. There's a huge amount being done to promote the Irish language, which is great. So hopefully something can be done in the future for Scots Gaelic as well to try and give that a bit of a um, a much needed push. But um, but yeah, very much alive and 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 you know part of the community today, and you'll see underneath all the street signs on the on the streets you're going to see the name in english and and in scots Gaelic here as well as well as irish back home
0: great great so i have a, a two-part question so the first part of, uh, sure. part of the question do you sing songs in the uh you know the irish language and the second part if you do is there anywhere to get those because i'd like to hear some of those
1: There certainly is. yeah i mean i sir i i do yeah um you know as i mentioned earlier I did my degree in the Irish language, so would have spoken it uh, on a day to day basis growing up. Um in when I certainly when I was doing my, my degree anyway. And uh yeah, I mean Irish language songs are a are a great way to spread the the um, the word about the language. During my set I would perform songs like O Rosha the Vat um and uh, that is on my EP so you know, when you are talking about Rare Old Times earlier, uh, which is from my EP, on Songs and Stories is the name of the EP, and that happens to be the first line of the song. Um, rare Old Times as well. I felt it was a pretty relevant uh, line for, for my upbringing, so that's why I chose it as the EP. But on that EP, there is the song O Roche the Waia, and that is, uh, obviously, as you can tell in the Irish language. There's also the famous song, as, as we spoke about, Raglan Road, the... the irish bar in in disneyland um that is named after the famous song and poem ragnum road uh, written by patrick kavanagh and that song itself is based on the melody of something that was written a long time before that which is fania Galan lay and uh which is an irish language poem and that is something that i would sing occasionally during my my set as well and other songs like mcgillamare that people might know as well uh would be well-known irish language songs so yeah I've Try Certainly try and do my best to, to spread the culture when I'm performing part of the set. And then between the two of us, Mike, as well, what's great about singing in the Irish language and in in, certainly in the States or anywhere outside of Ireland is that if you make a mistake in the words, nobody really knows. So, um, you know, you've got that little bit of a luxury as well when you sing Oscar Elga in Irish. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I try my best to, to always, whenever I'm doing a set, I try my best to include at least one song in the Irish
0: okay uh coleman yeah before we go if people like you know to purchase your music and get your music or get the celtic uh, thunder celtic women i mean can you tell us about all that how you they could get all this stuff
1: sure absolutely i mean if you i suppose that the easiest place to go for all of this is my website columnkeegan.com um i'm also on social media on facebook twitter and instagram so you know regularly promoting different things um on social media that are are happening in my life so um those will probably be the easiest places to go and uh, then if anyone's interested if they're hearing me talking about the irish language or irish history irish culture and they would interested in in online lessons but well, i set up a website a few years ago called ckonlineteaching.com and um you know so i offer seven week terms uh throughout the year and that as well so They're the relevant places uh, to go, but musically, you know, all of my material, whether it's with Celtic Woman or Celtic Thunder uh, or solo material, you know, between my EP Raising Songs and Stories and my album I'll Never Be Alone could all be purchased or downloaded on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, um, all the usual music platforms.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I just forgot, you know, uh, one last question. So being, you know, you're, you've been in uh, Scotland a few years, you know, you grew up in Ireland. And the question is for you, Comb, is it Scottish,
1: you know, Scotch or Irish whiskey? <laughs> Do you know, believe it or not, I'm probably not a great advocate for this question, Mike, because I'm not a huge whiskey drinker myself. I've never really, uh, I've had, always had a bit of a delicate stomach now. So whiskey is is, uh, is, something that can tip you over the edge at times. But that's not to say that I have been, I've spent many a night in Scotland with various different friends of mine who have felt it their mission to convince me that scotch is nicer than Irish whiskey, even though I never claimed Um, the former so i have been subjected to trialing out a number of different uh brands of scotch throughout the 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 last few years of moving over here um so i would typically i mean my i I know if my dad in particular is listening he would ostracize me if i didn't say that jameson was uh, was the whiskey that um uh you know would stand out but um to me a whiskey's a whiskey. I would certainly. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't throw it away, but I wouldn't probably be queuing up to um to purchase one now. If I'm honest, either.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that Jameson's good. I have a few shots on uh, Saint uh, Patrick's Day. So, I mean, do you have to drink then Scottish beer? Then, I mean, is that to get good? Or...
1: <laughs> uh, yes. Well, no. My, my drinks of of choice would be a Guinness. So that's you know I'd be quite true to my culture there i would uh if i was in a pub i'd be drinking a guinness but um other than that i'd be more of a wine drinker uh if i'm totally honest i would enjoy uh at the weekend a nice nice glass of red um so that would be my my drink of choice really would be a, a glass of red but if i was in a pub i would uh it would be a pint of guinness all day
0: <laughs> oh, great oh there there is irish wines out there
1: then no, 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 this is just, uh, I mean, wines that we buy in Ireland rather than make in Ireland. So, uh, no, it would, I'm open to any culture when it comes to wine, Mike.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, thanks so much. Com, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here?
1: No, other than the fact that I really appreciate you reaching out, Mike, and uh, and, and having me part of your podcast, I... Uh, I, I, I kind of present my own podcast as well the create podcast which i i team up with a a social enterprise that i helped start here in glasgow a few years ago called uh, called broad talent and broad talent started doing a a create podcast which season one was before christmas season two will be later on this year as well so i know that a huge amount of work goes into podcasting putting it together trying to find the guests and everything like that so i really appreciate you asking me to come on board and uh, best of luck with the venture as well i hope it all goes well for you
0: Oh well, thank you very much. Okay, and if you could give your website one final time, please.
1: Sure, the website is just my name, so nice and easy. Column Keegan. That's C O L M is column, so uh dot com. Simple as.
0: Okay, my guest has been Column Keegan, and you've been listening to uh, Hello World with Mike Kara, as always, probably broadcasting from mccoy Florida, USA. Planet Earth, and please. Catch us again next time.